0: Welcome to the show today, guys. We are coming to you from uh, Bothell, Bothell, Washington. I'm not sure how you pronounce yeah, it. Yeah, of the Love Life Washington Conference. Now, if you guys have been tuning in my podcast for a while, you'll remember we did Love Life California <clears throat> Pastor Jack Hibbs Church, the pastor that America needs but doesn't deserve, kind of like Batman. Uh, and we had 1,100 people there. We had 400, 500 online. And it was incredible. And people got involved with sidewalk counseling. Babies started getting saved because of Christians who went to that conference and were spurred on towards love and good deeds. And so we had friends up in Washington who were so inspired by that. Here we are at Love Life Washington Conference, and we're gonna be sitting down with some of the wonderful speakers that are here today. First being Dr. Anthony Leventino, the former abortionist, who was brought back to the Lord, brought back to the pro-life movement, and now is a voice for the very children that he will tell you he used to kill. Uh, A powerful voice now and a reminder of God's redemptive plan of grace. Uh, And so uh, buckle up, you're in for a treat. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Tony, welcome to the show today. Glad to be here, Seth. Yeah, it's good to have you back, man. It feels like last year already. This 2022 has been so bonkers. It doesn't feel like (laughs) that we were just at Jack's at at the end of January, actually. Exactly. But but here we are. You just got off stage. Um, Powerful message. I was kind of running around. I I heard some of it, but boy, was the crowd on their feet. And that's what's so inspiring about this season, I feel like, Tony, is is that Christians are more excited than I've ever seen before in my lifetime for righteousness and for actually putting feet to their faith, not whining and moaning that evil people do evil things and we're losing the culture in America. But they're actually like, well, no, what are we gonna do about it? Exactly. And you sense that excitement in more and more Christian churches and audiences today that are like, they're like, yes, yes, this is what God loves and I don't have to apologize for it. So it's awesome yeah. to hear them so receptive to you, brother. But hey, just really quickly, um, for those who might be new listeners to the podcast or watch this on YouTube and haven't heard your story, just give us 90 seconds, because um, we talked about the whole story last time. People go back and listen to that, but sure. just so people are, remember who you are.
1: When I graduated from medical school, I was pro-choice. This was a decision between a woman and her doctor, and nobody, including the baby's father, had anything to do say about it. And I learned to do first and second trimester abortions, and I was really dedicated to it. And I did that for several years. Over the first five years in my medical practice, and especially my, first, my my four years in New York after being in Florida for a year, I did over 1,200 abortions, both first and second trimester, up to 24 weeks gestation. you got to understand something, and I know you know this, Seth. I mean, kids are viable at 22 weeks, and so we're killing viable children in those later procedures. Right. And as I said, I was quite dedicated to it. Um, my wife and I were privileged to be able to adopt a little girl that we named Heather, and we had our son of our own named Sean. Uh, Heather was killed in an auto accident when she was two months short of her sixth birthday, and this was obviously life changing. Um, and it, what happened after that is, I said I went back to doing abortions, of course, um, but literally didn't. You know, the next abortion I did was a second trimester D and E abortion, and. Literally tearing this kid apart, and 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 I I, I I at the end of that procedure, I just looked at that pile of body parts, and it was like, this is yeah. someone's son or daughter, and yeah. all of a sudden, all the all the platitudes that had kept me going all those years just didn't mean a thing. Mm.
0: Wow. Uh, if you guys. Uh, haven't heard uh, Dr. Anthony share his entire story before. Um, you can find that, many different talks on YouTube. You can hear our conversation together from January of this year. But <clears throat> having been on both sides of the aisle now, Tony, um, you have a very unique position and perspective. And it's an important one, and I know you know that. I know I know you understand the important kind of place that God has, has set you. And the way in which you can speak to the issues, because no one's better to expose the lies peddled by Planned Parenthood, and I call it the abortion industrial complex, than than someone who was actually, who they called their priests, right? Their 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 saviors, their warriors, their doctors. Um, so now, having come full circle, and of course, this you know you've been with the pro life movement for some time now. There's been a lot of lies being spread. In Quite this post Roe versus Wade moment, now the entire I think abortion it's d- industrial d- no, complex—they're lies. They're disinformation. Yeah, disinformation, misinformation, malinformation. They, of course, the whole thing's built on lies, right? It's like it reminds me of Elf with Will Ferrell. Right? You sit on a throne of lies, you know. And they really <laughs> always have, but boy, have those lies sort of quadrupled themselves um, since June twenty fourth, or oh, since absolutely. the leak of Dobbs and, and the Roe versus Wade. So, as a doctor, as an OBGYN, as a man who used to kill children in the womb, and now you help save and contend for the rights of those babies, um, let's talk about some of those lies right now because, boy, are they pervasive.
1: Absolutely.
0: I cover a lot of this stuff, but you're going to be able to speak to it with a different level of authority. So what were some of the lies we began seeing in this post row season with the activist media, the Democrat Party, and the abortion industry?
1: It was absolutely fascinating to me. Um, I, I've I've done presentations for several decades now. Right. and I started doing, and I've I've gotten into the habit of starting every presentation with a, a rather graphic but totally accurate description of a second trimester D and e abortion. Yeah. it's grisly. I've seen people pass out. I've had people throw up. I've had you know people wow. walk out you know at the very beginning of presentations because of that. And I've even done it in front of Congress several times, which Good. is really entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> um, and um, and I've been I've been honestly pleased when the best criticism that I've gotten from Planned Parenthood is that my description is emotional. Uh, yes, it is. Uh, nobody said it's inaccurate uh, because yes. it's not. That's right. I was fascinated. You know, when, when June 24th came around, it's funny because I'd forgotten the date of June 24th and June 23rd was when my, my daughter was killed. Really? Um, oh, wow. And so it was June 24th when this decision came down. And the first thing that struck me, was the news out, that, and you heard this more than once, that suddenly appointments for vasectomies had suddenly gone through the roof. <laughs> so now that Roe versus Wade is gone and you can't take the right to an abortion for granted, now you've decided to, gee, maybe, maybe I should be responsible about this. If I don't no, want no, to father Tony, a child, Come on. You're, maybe you're I should just go and do something about it. You're a
0: conspiracy theorist, Tony. No, the, the abortion industry reliably informed me my entire life that while abortion is reproductive health care and it's not a person, uh, we don't want to use it as birth control. Yeah. We, we, it's only bad if you use it as birth control, and yet they're proving it by saying, oh, oh shoot, now I might have to uh, have responsibilities
1: attached to my orgasms. Exactly. <laughs> The other thing, the next thing that struck me with this is uh, now, of course, we're getting hit with all the the polls. Um, You know, sixty-seven percent of people uh, approve of Roe versus Wade, and they want to see Roe versus Wade back in some, whether it's federal or state or whatever. Sixty-seven percent of people. I don't think ninety percent of people in this country truly, and I don't mean this insulting to American people, have no idea what Roe versus Wade said. Yep. Uh, Quick primer. Roe versus Wade said that the, the, gov- the federal government could not restrict abortion for any reason whatsoever in the first trimester. Hmm. Pregnancy is divided into three pieces, first, second, and third trimester, about equal length. So up to 13 weeks from the last period, the state could not restrict abortion for any reason whatsoever. In the second trimester, from 13 to 27 weeks. They could regulate, um, they could pass public health type laws. Mm. You could say, for instance, that only doctors can do abortions. Now, people are stunned when I say that, because what do you mean, only doctors? You mean nurses are doing abortions? Uh, Yeah. Um, Sometimes doctors who are not trained in abortion are doing abortions, (laughs) Um, and especially with chemical abortion, now... Anyone, and this is why it was, in in my opinion, this is why I got fast-tracked through FDA way at the beginning, because it takes a degree of skill to do a suction DNC, and it takes a huge degree of skill to do a second-trimester DNA abortion. These are dangerous procedures, and there can be complications. And nobody wants to deal with complications. That's a whole another story. Um, But now, with chemical abortion, anyone who can write a prescription can be an abortionist. How nice. So, but so, and, and what they said was in that second trimester, uh, the state could regulate those kind of things, but not restrict the procedure. Yeah. Once the patient was viable, that's at 27 weeks, in 1973, 50 years ago, yeah. um, then uh, the, the state could, if it wished, restrict abortion. Yeah. Uh, well, of course, medical science didn't stay in still, the viability has gotten younger and younger and younger now to the point that even the WHO acknowledges that viability is around 22 weeks. Yeah. And this is, as you know, it was was the uh, um, Sandra Day O'Connor once said that Roe was on a collision course with itself, and this is what she was talking about. <laughs> yes, right. So now we're rid of it. But people, so and, oh, not only that, but the companion decision Doe. Mm-hmm. The problem with this. Oh, I'm sorry. I miss I misspoke. The state could restrict abortion in the third trimester after 27 weeks, if they wish to, unless, unless, unless the woman's health was involved. Great. Well, I have a law degree. And what people don't understand about Roe v. Wade and what they don't understand about law is that every single word has meaning. Mm-hmm. Every word. So what you should ask is, what does health mean? Roe yes. didn't tell yes. us. Doe versus Bolton did. Yeah. It includes her physical health. Well, that's great. But well, how bad does her physical health have to be? Doesn't say. Uh, it includes her mental health. Yeah. Whoa, uh, okay, I, I can see a situation maybe where somebody's schizophrenic and is gonna have a psychotic break. I never saw one mm. in, in all the years of practice I've been in like that. But let, let's, let's say that maybe that can happen. But what about? But how does? How bad is your mental health? Exactly. be? What about if you're depressed? Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: Uh, or just upset? Or yeah. worried about your future? It's bummed out. Yeah. Uh, it includes your economic health. <laughs> what? Well, how rich do you have to be to be economically healthy? Yeah, Doesn't yeah. say. And well, then Joe of course, Joe Biden
0: told me that poor kids are just as smart as white kids.
1: Uh, yeah. So. <laughs> and my absolute favorite was social health. Yeah. What yeah. the heck does Batman, that mean? Yeah. Um, And I I try to illustrate this when I give talks, especially in college campuses. I can give you what I I think was sincerely an honest look at what social health was. Uh, When I was doing abortions, and we very carefully counseled our patients. I was not running an abortion clinic. Mm -hmm. If you wanted to have a delivery, we were perfectly happy to take care of you. Um, If you wanted to have an abortion, we were perfectly happy to take care of you. We were going to be able to, to make money and take care of you no matter what you wanted. It wasn't like an abortion, quote unquote. If you change your mind, I lose my income. Right. Um, so we were very careful about that and we carefully counseled and spoke with patients. Patient came in 17 years old for her fifth abortion and made it, and, oh, and, and I was talking to her about it, and, and she made it very clear to me that the reason that she wanted to have this abortion, she was quite firm about it, was that she didn't want to be pregnant during her senior prom. Oh. And I did that abortion. I heard that coming. I, did, I did that abortion. And that's a perfect example of social health. So this wow. is where I was coming with this, and I'm sorry, I know it's a, a long way around. No, no, but it's Roe important. versus Wade means, and and the fact that they say the state can restrict abortion except for health reasons, and then you define health so broadly that it's meaningless. It. It's yeah. absolutely meaningless. Roe versus Wade means any abortion, any time, for any reason whatsoever, or no reason whatsoever. And and so people saying you know when we they're claiming that well sixty seven percent of people support Roe versus Wade yep. the vast majority of people have no clue what Roe versus Wade means nailed
0: it so Tony um, Gallup poll in twenty nineteen okay. what percentage of Americans not Republicans or Democrats Americans supported third trimester abortions thirteen well, percent I was going to say it
1: had to be a very low number
0: so if you actually report the stats honestly as these activist media, um, I call them journalistic prostitutes for the culture of death, but if they were actually reporting this honestly, they would say only 13% of the American public supports Roe v. Wade. Because Uh, when they understand what Roe v. Wade said and did with its companion case Doe v. Bolton, which is abortion through all nine months of pregnancy for any reason or no reason at all, funded by the public Dole, you got about 13% according to Gallup Poll in 2019. Uh, a couple decades ago, um, Hadley Arcus, which a brilliant mind. Gosh, I wish I'd get him in every pulpit in America. Uh, interestingly, he's actually not a Christian, but he's so grounded in the natural law. It's like, dude, just come home to Jesus, man. Um, but just right on the, the edge. divine logos of the universe, yeah. But uh, he, he cited uh, some fascinating um, research in his book, Natural Rights and the Right to Choose. And uh, one of the stats he had done this decades ago was that uh, only one in 10 people could give an accurate account of the Roe versus Wade decision. Oh, absolutely. So
1: anyways, it's been true for some time. I I completely agree with you. Now I'm going to hit you with a stat that you may or may not, and I know how well read you are, but you may not be aware of this, and I'll bet the majority of your audience isn't aware of it. How many obstetrician gynecologists are willing to do abortions? Oh,
0: yes. You've told me this before.
1: Okay. Yeah. The, this has been studied three times. Wow. Peer-reviewed journal articles published has been studied three times in the last decade. And the average number that they come up with over, over those three studies is that 85-plus percent of obstetrician gynecologists refuse to do abortions. Wow. 85%. Wow. I teach, I'm retired from active clinical practice. I retired four years ago okay. and um, I retired to Arizona, but I do teach medical school and I love teaching students. Um, I've done almost every kind of practice there is over the years and teaching is, is my passion. Awesome. Uh, I really do enjoy working with a student. So I, I've, even though I retired to Arizona and left, I still teach in a New, uh, a New Mexico medical school. Okay. Um, and I, I, I course direct. Yes, I am retired, and I do love being retired. I absolutely love waking up in the morning and not knowing what day it is and not caring. <laughs> um, but I do, I do continue to teach there. And so, one month, five weeks out of the year, I do teach this course on reproductive medicine and endocrinology. Yeah. And I think it's important. Not only do I enjoy teaching, but it's very important for pro-life physicians, the majority of us, wow. to be a presence in front of these medical students, yes. because these medical students are being bombarded, yep, uh, just like the rest of the culture they is, are. and they're being heavily pressured to practice abortion. So, Tony, and it's important for them that. to understand that if you're pro-life, that's powerful. you are not in the minority, that's powerful. you are the majority. So brother,
0: uh, that's powerful, I'm glad you said that, and so you just reminded me of something. Um, so you have ACOG, American College cool. of Obstetricians and Gynecologists, radically pro-abortion, uh, just for the people listening, just so you know, a, a brief, I'll give. You, let me give you just a 20-second vignette so you know how pro-abortion and demonic this organization is. They've opposed every state-level pro-life legislative bill for the last couple decades. Every, every well, since since one. Since before Roe. Yeah, n- like the most common-sense ones that pro-choice moderates in America would support, like admitting privileges for abortionists at a local hospital yep. or whatever.
1: Uh, and then— They wouldn't even think of doing that for me doing a hysterectomy, That's though. right, yeah.
0: And then uh, Elena Kagan, okay— before she was a Supreme Court justice, um, colluded, and that is the right term, colluded with ACOG to change their definition of partial birth abortions from a never necessary procedure to save mom's life to a sometimes necessary procedure to save mom's life. And for you guys tuning in partial birth abortion in 20 seconds, you deliver the baby forcibly by their legs, but you leave the head and shoulder blades in the vaginal canal. Then you shove Metzenbaum scissors into the back of the neck, you open a hole, you stick a suction vacuum catheter tube and you suction the brain out. It's the closest thing to a French guillotine for unborn children. So she colludes, we have, by the way, we have the paper trail to prove this. Elena Kagan colludes with ACOG. The American College of Obstetricians, you're supposed to be about the, protecting babies that's like exactly. you have two patients mom and baby okay so, so that so that bill clinton could have the science on his side exactly when he vetoed the partial birth abortion ban act so just so we that. understand how wicked acog is and now oh. you've got the the licensing arm of acog that license doctors whether obstetricians get licensed and i'll wrap up with this tony well, four he- weeks ago they just said we are looking into removing the medical licenses of obstetricians and gynecologists who share abortion misinformation. And there we hey Tony, go, can we trust these people to define what misinformation is and accurate obstetrician and prenatal
1: information is? The cards are stacked. <laughs> ACOG is, it's really interesting. Um, I was a member of ACOG. I was proud to be a member of ACOG. You go through your training, you go through all those years, uh, you pass the certifying exams, I mean, you have arrived right. when you become a, you know, a fellow in a professional organization, and it, it meant a lot to me. And then I was very privileged. Uh, now, I had already stopped doing abortions, and interestingly enough, I was very privileged because I was asked to become the Dis- Section Nine Dis- District 2 Section 9 Vice Chair of ACOG in New York. I mean, this is, this is, this is really, again, it was significant, and I was pleased to do it. Yeah, um, you know, I'm, and you're on the very, very bottom, bottom rung of the, uh, you know, of the organization, just above a member, but becoming more actively involved. Okay, and I served in that position for two years. Normally, it was, it's almost a matter of, of, uh, you know, it's almost set in stone, you know, from vice chair to become chairman and you, you go up the leg, you start climbing the yeah, ladder. Yeah. Uh, I was called by the chairman just before that would have occurred and told specifically that, um, it ha- quote, it has been decided that you shall not rise. Um, and it was pretty obvious why it was decided that I would not rise. Um, I remained a member of ACOG, uh, for many years. Now ACOG has been an absolutely Pro-abortion organization yeah. from very early on. Yeah. I know they. I know that they. They don't. They would. They would argue with that. We are not a pro-abortion yeah. organization. Yeah. We are a pro-choice organization. <laughs> um, Distinction without a difference. I did an entire lecture for the American College of or uh, for the. Um, for APLOG, the American Association yes, of Pro-Life, Pro-life OBGYNs. Yeah. I served on their board for five years, and a couple of years ago at their conference, fortunately it was 2020 with the uh, with COVID, and we had to do it virtually. But I did an entire lecture on ACOG's history, in in the abortion industry, Good and for you. and had a, and a list of every single Supreme Court case in no, I E every single abortion case that that even wow. touched on abortion that has come before the Supreme Court they submitted a amicus brief and I went through every one of them yep they did um, it came down ethic, ethics uh, ethical opinion or committee opinion 385 I think it was okay. I think I'm I think I'm quoting it accurately basically was telling the membership that you either should be doing abortions, or you—you you, it is unethical not to refer for an abortion. Yep. And if you—and you are obligated as an obstetrician-gynecologist, if you are not doing abortions, to practice near a, a physician who does abortions and refer to that physician. Essentially, wow. that was there was a lot of things that they said, but essentially that's what it was about. And this was for me and a lot of obstetrician-gynecologists the last straw. I had a—it a, a, was really interesting. So I I. I, re, you know, I resigned from ACOG over that, and good. and it was very interesting. Other physicians did as well because it gets to the point where it's like, look, I cannot financially support this organization any longer. I gave up my fellowship, and it had meant a lot to me. Um, but it was very interesting, and I still have the emails. So you know what I'm going to do for you because we are good friends. I'm going to bundle them up. I'm going to send them to you. Oh yes, <laughs> um, from the medical, the executive director of ACOG at the time, a Dr. Hale. Um, I had stopped, you know, I I just ended my membership, didn't make a thing out of it. Uh, And of course, as with many organizations and even HBO and DirecTV, you know, after you've leave them for a while, you know, they, they come back and we'd like you back. Um, so I wrote a letter to ACOG when I got that letter, of course it's a form letter, and I said, you know what, I, I sent a letter to the organization about why I resigned, but I never even got the courtesy of a reply. And it was very nice. D- Dr. Hale, give him credit, contacted me, and I really appreciated that. This is the medical director, of the uh, executive director of the organization. So I was, Dr. Hale was nice enough to contact me, and this was wonderful, and we exchanged emails, and basically we went through that very same discussion. We are not a pro-abortion organization, we are a pro-choice organization, (laughs) and... I've got to dig out the emails as well since I've seen them. But, you know, basically it was like, well, gee, that's great. In a way, to me, it was a little like Biden. You know, I'm going to be the unifier. <laughs> well, please tell me one thing you have done to unify the country. That's and it right. was, that's in right. a way, it was like with Dr. Hale, could you please tell me one way mm. in which you are supporting me? Yeah. And I didn't know at the time because his research, research had come out. And 85% of your membership in terms of being, of, 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 of supporting right. both sides of this argument. It's very wow. difficult to do. Wow. Um, so... Yes, there's a tremendous amount of pressure. And now that you're right, they're to a point where they are threatening, they are basically threatening uh, physicians and residents with their licensure. And that's their livelihood. And that was the board level
0: of ACOG, right, Tony? But Uh, uh, the Biden administration, at the same time that that came out about ACOG and the board and all that stuff, is saying that they're trying to amend this federal code. I forget the federal code number. Go to my podcast on a board. Yes, it's it's there. But um, to make uh, pregnancy a condition of sex, which is hilarious, because now we all know what women are.
1: Pregnancy, a condition of sex.
0: In the federal code. Oh, that's... So that, <laughs> right, when you tell Democrats they might not be able to kill as many babies, Tony, right. they can suddenly define a woman. It's hilarious. Um, so that they can go after pro-life obstetricians who don't want to perform abortions under discrimination, pregnancy discrimination lawsuits. Uh-huh. Then it's pregnancy yeah. discrimination because you don't want to kill the baby. Exactly. So anyways, let's, let's, let's close down with this, Tony. I going to ask you this final question. Where does all this end? if the 85% of pro-life obstetricians that are in the majority continue to confess private beliefs about their convictions but not stand against this regime, where does this end?
1: Boy, we could be talking for hours uh, because <laughs> I didn't even finish answering your question. I will answer that question about you know the whole thing about when, when Roe went down. Uh, next, we heard that um, uh, doctors can't treat ectopic pregnancies. Rubbish. <laughs> right, right. Uh, doctors can't treat miscarriages. Rubbish. Yep. Um, and, and oh, and, and the other thing, of course, is that we, you know, uh, with we, we need abortion to save women's lives. I've talked about that a thousand times. Yeah. With the age of viability, 22, 22 weeks, there are rare cases, rare cases where women will die. Yeah. Before 22 weeks, if you don't if you don't end that pregnancy, that right. does happen. In those cases, no organization, no church that I'm aware of, uh, Aplog, which is vehemently against elective abortion, has no problem with separation of mother and baby when her life depends on it. Yep. However, the vast, 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 vast majority of those cases occur after 22 weeks. Yep. I worked in a tertiary medical center in upstate New York for over 10 years. I, have, I am a pro-life obstetrician-gynecologist. I have terminated, they've stolen the word, yeah. ended hundreds of pregnancies to save women's lives. And I have not had to deliberately kill a single baby in the process. Yep. Did they all make it? No, but they all had a chance. Yep. Uh, where does it end? It ends when people who say that they are pro-life, it ends when churches who profess to be pro-life finally become actually pro-life and get militant about this. Um, An author named Rahi, he was talking specifically about the Catholic Church, but I feel that it it extends to all of Christendom. Mm. He wrote an article called Pack with the Devil. It's an interesting article to read, Mm. but I often quote the last line of 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 that article because I think it's prophetic. If the church flatulent doesn't become the church militant it will soon become church irrelevant. Wow. It ends when people who say that they are pro-life Amen. act that way, get active, get in front of the clinics, That's right. get active politically. Amen. That's when it ends. That's right.
0: Amen. Only in action is freedom, is what Bonhoeffer would say. Absolutely. Tony, thank you, brother. My pleasure. Your time. Good That's seeing wonderful. you. Guys, thanks for tuning into the show today. Amazing conversation. Uh, share this widely, please, with your pro-choice friends and your apolitical Christian friends who don't want to get political because they'll harm their witness or harm the unborn children you fail to advocate for politically. Go to uh, SethGruber.com to see my speaking schedule or to book me for an event. Go to thewhiterose.life, not .com, thewhiterose.life to become an ally of the White Rose and help me rebuild the White Rose resistance for this generation against our silent but far more deadly Holocaust of abortion before it's too late. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is i aborted. <laughs>